chapter ten of my first book this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. my first book by various the house of elmore by f w robinson it is a far cry back to eighteen fifty three when dreams of writing a book had almost reached the boundary line of probable events i was then a pale long-haired consumptive-looking youth who had been successful in prize poems for there were prize competitions even in those far-off days and in acrostics and in the acceptance of one or two short stories which had been actually published in a magazine that did not pay for contributions it was edited by a clergyman of the church of england and the chaplain to a real duke which magazine has gone the way of many magazines and is now as extinct as the dodo it was in the year eighteen fifty three or a month or two earlier that i wrote my first novel which upon a moderate computation i think would make four or five good-sized library volumes but i have never attempted to scale the manuscript it is in my possession still although i have not seen it for many weary years it is buried with a heap more rubbish in a respectable old oak chest the key of which is even lost to me and yet that m s was the turning point of my small literary career and it is the history of that manuscript which leads up to the publication of my first novel my first step though i did not know it and hence it is part and parcel of the history of my first book a link in the chain when that manuscript was completed it was read aloud night after night to an admiring audience of family members and pronounced as fit for publication as anything of dickens or thackeray or bulwer who were then in the full swing of their mighty capacities alas i was a better judge than my partial and amiable critics i had very grave doubts qualms i think they are called and i had read that it was uphill work to get a book published and swagger through the world as a real live being who had actually written a novel there was a faint hope that was all and so with my m s under my arm i strolled into the palatial premises of messrs hurst and blackett successors to henry colburn they proudly designated themselves at that period laid my heavy parcel on the counter and waited with fear and trembling for someone to emerge from the galleries of books and rows of desks beyond and inquire the nature of my business and here ensued my first surprise quite a dramatic coincidence for the tall spare middle-aged gentleman who advanced from the shadows towards the counter proved to my intense astonishment to be a constant chest antagonist of mine at cling's chest rooms round the corner in new oxford street rooms which have long since disappeared together with horwitz harwitz lowenthal williams and other great chest lights of those far-away times who were to be seen there night after night prepared for all comers cling's was a great chess house and i was a chess enthusiast as well as a youth who wanted to get into print failing literature i had made up my mind to become a chess champion if possible 
although i knew already by quiet observation of my antagonists that in that way madness lay sheer uncontrollable raging madness for me at any rate and the grave middle-aged gentleman behind the counter of thirteen great marlborough street proved to be the cashier of the firm and used being chest mad with the rest of us to spend his evenings at cling's he was a player of my own strength and for twelve months or so had i skirmished with him over the chessboard and fought innumerable battles with him he had never spoken of his occupation nor i of my restless ambitions chess players never go beyond the checkered board hello robinson he exclaimed in his surprise you don't mean to say that you and then he stopped and regarded my youthful appearance very critically yes mr kinney it's a novel i said modestly my first there's plenty of it he remarked dryly i'll send it upstairs at once and i'll wish you luck too but he added kindly preparing to soften the shock of a future refusal we have plenty of these come in about seven a day and most of them go back to their writers again yes i suppose so i answered with a sigh for a while however i regarded the meeting as a happy augury a lucky coincidence i even had the vain hopeless notion that mr kinney might put in a good word for me ask for special consideration out of that kindly feeling which we had for each other and which chess antagonists have invariably for each other i am inclined to believe but though we met three or four times a week from that day forth not one word concerning the fate of my manuscript escaped the lips of mr kinney it is probable the incident had passed from his memory he had nothing to do with the novel department itself and the delivery of m s s was a very common everyday proceeding to him i was too bashful perhaps too proud an individual to ask any questions but every evening that i encountered him i used to wonder if he had heard anything if any news of the book's fate had reached him directly or indirectly occasionally even as time went on i was disposed to imagine that he was letting me win the game out of kindness for he was a gentle kindly soul always in order to soften the shock of a disappointment which he knew perfectly well was on its way towards me some months afterwards the fateful letter came to me from the firm regretting its inability to make use of the m s and expressing many thanks for a perusal of the same a polite concise all-round kind of epistle which a publisher is compelled to keep in stock and to send out when rejected literature pours forth like a waterfall from the dusky caverns of a publishing-house in a large way of business it was all over then i had failed from that hour i would turn chess-player and soften my brain in a quest for silver cups or champion amateur stakes i could play chess better than i could write fiction i was sure still after some days of dead despair i sent the m s once more on its travels this time to smith and elders whose reader mr williams had leapt into singular prominence since his favourable judgment of charlotte bronte's book and to whom most m s s flowed spontaneously for many years afterwards and in due course of time mr williams acting for messrs smith and elder asked me to call upon him for the m s at cornhill 
and there i received my first advice my first thrill of exultation presently and probably and with perseverance he said you will succeed in literature and if you will remember now that to write a good novel is a very considerable achievement years of short story writing is the best apprenticeship for you write and rewrite and spare no pains i thanked him and i went home with tears in my eyes of gratitude and consolation though my big story had been declined with thanks but i did not write again i put away my m s and went on for six or eight hours a day at chess for many idle months before i was in the vein for composition and then with a sudden dash i began the house of elmore it was half finished when another strange incident occurred i received one morning a letter from lascelles raxall afterwards sir lascelles raxall bart as the reader may be probably aware informing me that he was one of the readers for messrs hurst and blackett and that it had been his duty some time ago to decide unfavorably against a story which i had submitted to the notice of his firm but that he had intended to write to me a private note urging me to adopt literature as a profession his principal object in writing at that time was to suggest my trying the fortunes of the novel which he had already read with messrs rutledge and he kindly added a letter of introduction to that firm in the broadway an introduction which by the way never came to anything poor lascelles raxall clever writer and editor pressman and literary adviser real bohemian and true friend indeed everybody's friend but his own i look back at him with feelings of deep gratitude he was a rolling stone and when i met him for the first time in my life years afterwards he had left marlborough street for the crimea he had been given a commission in the turkish contingent at kirch he had come back anathematizing the service and chock full of grievances against the government and he became once more editor and sub-editor and publisher's hack even until he stepped into his baronessy an empty title for he had sold the reversion of the estates for a mere song long ago and became special correspondent in austria for the daily telegraph and in vienna he died young in years still not forty i think closing a life that only wanted one turn more of application i have often thought to have achieved very great distinction there are still a few writing men about who remember lascelles raxall but they are the boys of the old brigade it was to lascelles raxall i sent when finished the house of elmore as the reader may very easily guess raxall had stepped so much out of his groove for the busy literary man that he was to take me by the hand and point the way along the perilous road he had given me so many kind words that i wrote my hardest to complete my new story before i should fade from his recollection the book was finished in five weeks and in hot haste and for months again i was left wondering what the outcome of it all was to be whether raxall was reading my story or whether oh horror some other reader less kindly disposed and more austere and critical and hard to please had been told off to sit in judgment upon my second m s i went back to chess for a distraction till the fate of that book was pronounced or sealed 
it was always chess in the hours of my distress and anxiety and i once again faced charles kinney and once again wondered if he knew and how much he knew whilst he was deep in his king's gambit or his gioco piano but he was not even aware that i had sent in a second story i learned afterwards and then at last came the judgment the pleasant if formal notice from marlborough street that the novel had been favourably reported upon by the reader and that messrs hurst and blackett would be pleased to see me at marlborough street to talk the matter of its publication over with me ah what a letter that was what a surprise after all what a good omen and some three months afterwards at the end of the year eighteen fifty four my first book but my second novel was launched into the reading world and i have hardly got over the feeling yet that i had actually a right to dub myself a novelist when the first three notices of the book appeared wild dreams of a brilliant future beset me they were all favourable notices too favourable but john bull the press and bell's messenger i think they were the papers scattered favourable notices indiscriminately at that time presently the athenaeum sobered me a little but wound up with a kindly pat on the back and the saturday review then in its seventh number drenched me with vitriolic acid and brought me to a lower level altogether and finally the morning herald blew a loud blast to my praise and glory that last notice i believe having been written by my old friend sir edward clark then a very young reviewer on the herald staff with no dreams of becoming her majesty's solicitor-general just then the house of elmore actually paid its publisher's expenses and left a balance and brought me in a little check and thus my writing life began in sober earnest End of chapter ten